Hi, and welcome to the Pioneers of the Great Awakening version of Planet Homemaking Podcast, and this is video. And this is session two. We have a wonderful, amazing being and a good friend of mine uh, visiting us today. And uh, if you're not familiar what the Pioneers of the Great Awakening are, you want to go to Jorn.tv, that's J-O-U-R-N.tv. And, 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 and look into the about page and find out what we're doing here and, and what, is it, what is it that at this point we're here to bring as individuals as we awaken into our purpose in this reality. And uh, this is it. This is the time for you to embody your God-given mission. And this is this podcast, this, this sessions, because these are we have a daily podcast where we talk about the jinkies mostly. And uh, we have a weekly podcast, video podcast now, where we're going to interview these amazing people today. And my friend today, his name is Roger Kenneth Marsh, and he's committed to evolving humanity to a more peaceful, joyful, and loving-based state. Contributing to his mission, he is the author of the book Next Gen Human, A Modern Age Path to Fulfillment, and Truth Bubble. Navigating realms of reality and our societal shift from fear to love. He is the founder of the Institute of Divine Energy Alignment and Living, Ideal, a 501c3 nonprofit supporting our shift from fear to love, a facilitator and trainer with Integral Transformative Practice International, and a 501c3 also supporting positive evolution in body, mind, heart, and soul, and a heart math coach providing tools and techniques to access heart-based intelligence and leadership, and a team coach with his company, Beyond Believe, LLC. He's working on opening the hearts and minds of leaders around the world. With a Bachelor of Science and Engineering and a Master's in Business Administration, he brings a grounded and pragmatic approach to the further development of our human capacities. Hi, Roger. Welcome to the podcast. And before we get started, tell us something interesting about yourself that most people don't know about. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you, Epifanio. Wow, that was a mouthful. I appreciate you reading through the bio there. Um, And of course, it's awesome to be here with you and be having conversations that matter. You know, what matters is this is about pioneers of the great awakening. Let's really have this be the great awakening. And that requires each and every one of us to really bring our whole and fullest selves into the world. So I'm really pleased to be here with you and I'm sure that we're going to discover some wonderful things together in conversation. So uh, your first question is, tell me, tell me, tell people something that they, most people don't know about me. Well, a lot of, there's a number of things. The first thing that comes to mind is that over the past year and a half, I've been engaging psychedelics in a very sacred manner to support my transformation and evolution. And um, that's been one crazy journey. Uh, and anybody in your audience that has engaged psychedelics in a sacred healing process knows that they're incredibly powerful, um, and that they are something to be highly respected and handled with care. 
Uh, I have found uh, using ayahuasca and psilocybin to be incredibly powerful allies for my journey of awakening, for my journey of healing. Um, but it's tough love. It is hard work and it's not for the faint of heart. And um, I'm on a journey of integration and I'll be the first person to say that, you know, those psychedelics can really, they can jar your world open and in somewhat disturbing ways. And it can take time to integrate. There's a big conversation in the psychedelic space now about the importance of integration. And that means you don't just take these things and get these aha moments that then just settle into your life with no work. It's more like they kick your butt all over the place. And then you have to, a lot of work to really integrate and live into those insights over time. And so I have a great respect for those, but I don't share that in very many circles. Psychedelics are still somewhat misunderstood in our societies for sure. And around the world, but you know, I'm here to say that they are powerful allies and can really help for those for whom they are for and must be done with great respect in, in very clear, intentional, safe containers uh, with, with good guides. So um, that's something most people don't know about me and I'll open up with that. Excellent, excellent. And tell, tell us what has been your fork in the road? Where was the moment that totally like showed Roger, this is okay, this is the, this is the journey, this is where everything changes. When was your, where was your fork in the road? I love the question. And uh, there's been a number of forks in the road, you know, of course, all the way back, uh, you know, being young and making different decisions but I would say the main fork in my road, you know, up, to, up until this particular fork that I'm thinking about, I was pretty much running the script that society expected me to run. I was pretty much doing, you know, what most parents wanted their kids to do, you know, uh, graduate from high school, go to college. I was fortunate to be born into a middle-class family that could afford to put me into college and went to a four-year university and got a degree in engineering and started work. Worked for uh, Kaiser Permanente, uh, the healthcare company in the late 80s and early 90s. And, and then uh, went to graduate school, still kind of doing the safe thing. Got a master's in business administration in Indiana at Indiana University, which was great going back to the Midwest. I came all the way back to, to California. I'm a California native. And, um, and then I took another job and I was a product manager for an interventional cardiology company making balloon angioplasty catheters and stents, which are still widely used to address coronary artery disease, which at that time was the leading cause of death in the United States. It may still be, but there are many other diseases that are getting people. And I was in that company and I was very successful um, but then I did a thing called the Landmark Forum in 1996. That's the, some of your viewers may not know, but that was the, um, the work of Warner Earhart and Est, as it was known to generations that did his work before Landmark. 
And it was super powerful. It really kind of woke me up. I remember coming out of one of the programs and it was in downtown San Francisco. And I had had my world opened up so much that when I walked out onto the streets of downtown San Francisco, the skyscrapers were shimmering. They were gelatinous. They were no longer skyscrapers as solid as I had known them before. Like the world was matrix-like. And I knew that I was creating my experience in the world. And it didn't take long though for those those uh, skyscrapers to resolidify into what I knew were concrete towers called skyscrapers. But I had seen, I had seen that the world was malleable. And that was a huge fork in my growth and development. That was one of those transformational moments because of a program I had put myself in called the Landmark Forum. And then I got so excited, I brought that work into that company where I was working. And we did over a million dollars worth of people development work, transformational work with the engineering teams and the product development teams. And we produced some breakthrough products because of that work. I'm very proud of that. And then I decided it was time for me to become a transformational business consultant and leave kind of the tried and true path I was on. And um, that was a significant decision because I, I took a job with a company where I took a big pay cut, like 50% pay cut in my annual salary and actually got more lessons than I did success. But that was a fork in my road where I decided I'm here for transformation. And that's far more important than money. It's far more important than any kind of name or anything that I may have in terms of a title. We need to get to work here and wake people up. So uh, that was back in about 1990. 99 that that I really took that fork in the road and walking the road less traveled as we call it wow what a trip and this is this is exactly exactly it's like we all go through very similar things right there's a moment where you're taking this decision and then it come your life complete your life completely changes and now you are you're in the jungle baby <laughs> it's like is it going to be Guns and Roses or is it going to be Alice in Wonderland? You know, what's it going to be? <laughs> so what has been your worst moment ever? Your, the, the, you, you got your life, you got your journey, you got your, your story, right? You're the main character of your story. And then you go through the first act and then you enter into the second act and then the, the, the downward spiral starts going down one and down and somebody feels like somebody flushed the toilet and you're just like, whoo, where is the bottom of the barrel? The moment where you just went, fuck. <laughs> wow, okay. Well, I don't know that I've reached the bottom of the barrel. There's always more opportunities for experiences like that. So I hesitate to declare. But at the same time, you know, like you said, the path is up and down. And for me, you know, one of the bottom of the barrel moments was in 2009. And I think there were a lot of people there with me after that financial crash in the real estate market and with the big bank bailouts and everything that was happening because I owned a home in California at that time and had owned it for 10 years. 
And given my commitment to something bigger than safety and security, I was committed to transformation of my own life and to the life of others on the planet. I had leveraged the equity in that house and borrowed against it like a lot of people had done and was working on becoming financially free and working on serving humanity in new ways and new levels, you know, in terms of my own capacity to be a transformational change agent, coach and consultant. So I was investing in myself and doing things that ultimately didn't turn out in terms of business and financial success. So then my uh, interest only loan turned into a very high monthly mortgage payment. And at that moment, I didn't have the financial capacity to pay those bills. And I had to make a very difficult decision to file bankruptcy. I filed chapter 13, which basically means you died. There's no one that can collect a debt on you because you no longer exist as the person that owed those debts. That's essentially what chapter 13 is. Seven is another form of bankruptcy. And I got schooled on why bankruptcy exists in the United States. And I also learned how many very successful, incredibly wealthy people have filed bankruptcy many times on their path to corporate and business success. Because the United States of America has that in place so that people can take risks that would be for the betterment of society, that would actually cause a greater abundance for the whole. And if everyone was always 100% liable for everything they ever did, there would be a lot less risk-taking than there is. So anyways, that may have been one way of me justifying me filing bankruptcy at a time where, you know, things did not turn out the way that I was hoping that they would. So that was a real bottom of the barrel moment. But, you know, I took my lumps and I let the house go. It went into foreclosure, all of my assets gone. I downsized into um, a condominium that was, you know, less than half of the size of the house that I had been in, which was already modest and um, really just got focused decided, okay, this is a wake-up call. And I had several friends who said, once you file bankruptcy, you make a commitment, you'll never do it again. That's your get out of jail free card once. And I said to myself, this is it. I'll never do it again. And you know, that's now 13 years ago. And I've been financially fluid since then. So that's good. I did learn some lessons from that time, but it was very difficult, kind of worst moment of my life type of a type of a thing. But I decided I wasn't going to hide from it. I was going to be truthful and transparent. And I wrote a newsletter out to my next gen human subscribers at the time. And I said, Hey, I'm filing bankruptcy. And my book was coming out next gen human, which was kind of an interesting paradox, because I was celebrating success of that coming out. And at the same time, you know, deep failure in another. So it was paradoxical, but transformative. It's, uh, it, it appears like the, some of the ideas of success that the world has, the spirit has other, other, other goals. And, and sometimes that involves taking your personality away, taking everything that you think you are in order to actually transform you through the washing machine of God, right? And spit you, you know, into the dryer on the other side. And now it's like, it's, 
It's not about what we think it's about. So uh, what was the lesson that you learned out of that one? Yeah, well, like I, I like to say, either you're winning or you're getting lessons. Either you're winning or you're learning. And so that way you're always winning, right? So what are the lessons that I learned from that? Number one was uh, really to create my own financial security and stability and you know, to be more wise in the financial space. You know, I moved to a cash only business and life for years after that. Uh, my whole commitment was if I don't have the money, I don't, I don't buy anything. So that was a real new discipline for me. Uh, so it was a discipline around resources. It was a discipline around honoring the resources that I have and being more wise about how I invest those, how I use those. And um, I learned, you know, that spirit was teaching me that when things are scarce, that's when you learn the true value of things. You know, when you don't have a lot, what you do have becomes a lot more valuable. So I learned to really appreciate the things that I did have. As I said, I downsized, I sold a lot of things, I donated a lot of things, and I kept what was truly essential for what I felt was the next unfolding of my life. So I consolidated on an energetic level, everything that was important for what I felt was my next level of transformation, which was more towards the continuing theme at the deeper level of my life, which wasn't about real estate success and making money in these cash machines, which I never really had a passion for. I knew that I didn't, but I had a belief that had been taught to me by others who had been successful in that place. What they said was, first, get your cash flow flowing in these types of businesses, then you can do whatever you want. And I don't know if that's true. It might be true for some people, but what's true, more true for me is do what you love, because then whether you're making money at it or not, you will be doing what you love. And so you win no matter what. And that I think is more true than do what you don't love in order to get enough money so that you can then do what you love. I think that can be a mistake. And it was for me because I looked at so many different wealth making models that I knew my heart and soul were not into it, but I wanted the cash flow. I wanted the freedom that I thought it promised. And it didn't deliver for whatever reason in my life. And I learned from that point on, do what you love, stay focused on where your passion is and just be incredibly, mm, incredibly grateful for the things you have in your life and focus on those good things. What keeps you up at night? What keeps me up at night? <sighs> right now it's, you know, the concern about the situation on the planet. Um, it's the heat is on at a higher level in my life than ever before. You know, this, this podcast being pioneers of the great awakening what keeps me awake at night is some of the insanity that I see in the behaviors of people on this planet, especially at levels of great influence and wealth um, and the future they see for us is terrifying, is depressing, is sad. 
to me. Um, so that definitely keeps me awake at night. I'm like, I think many people over the past two and a half years, we've woken up, you know, in this car and we're realizing, oh, no one's driving it. I've got to get in the driver's seat. Oh, you know, Uncle Sam isn't in the driver's seat like I thought he was. Oh, I've been giving my power and authority to people that I thought maybe didn't matter if they just stayed out of the way. Oh, you know, I'm, I'm being a victim in more ways than I realized, and my power is being taken from me. So that is a great awakening that has occurred in my life. And it's a blessing, but it's, um, it's a big responsibility. It's a bigger responsibility than I was wanting to have to shoulder prior to realizing there were forces in the world that were trying to dominate me and take away my sovereignty and take away my freedom and take away my relationship with God, him and hers itself. And when I realized there were real forces trying to do that, awakening was the only choice that I have. So that keeps me awake at night at times. Yes, it does. And um, I'll leave it at that. Wow. It's so true. It's, we're going through mad times, mad times. We have to stay centered and clear and, and, and connected with our friends, our family, our community groups, because it's, it's a, it's a, it's cray cray world out there. And we're, I think we're doing good. I think we're doing pretty good where, where people are waking up and, and the people that are awakened where at least we can dodge the bullets, you know, um, thank God for that, you know? So what is your vision for humanity's future? Yeah, I love that question. You know, um, I often quote Buckminster Fuller and his quote where he says, don't try to change the current reality by fighting that reality, change it by creating a new reality that makes the existing one obsolete. That's not exactly what he said, but you get the point. The point is create an inspiring vision that can activate hearts and souls and hands to, to, to move towards it. I see a huge lack of that in the world. And, and I'll share my vision, my positive world vision for the planet here in a moment. But you know, I think it's important question for us all to ask ourselves, what is the positive vision that I see for my life, for the life of my family, for the life of my community, for the life of my town, and for the life of the planet? We have to ask ourselves that now and get more connected to that where we get excited because our attention has been hijacked to the problems the problems. No politician puts forward a vision that inspires me. All they do is focus on problems. And if you focus on problems that keeps you at the same level of consciousness that created the problem, you'll never transcend it. I heard a wise person say, you Westerners are so focused on solving problems. You know, and, and the question is, well, of course, we want to solve problems. And this wise person said, problems are an opportunity for transcendence. If all you do is solve them, you lose the opportunity for transcendence. And so 
I'm working on transcendence, which goes beyond the problems. One of my favorite teachers, Michael Bernard Beckwith, founder of Agape uh, Church in Culver City, California. He talks about transcendence. He talks about not solving problems, but transcending them so they dissolve, dissolve, not solve. That requires a change in frequency, requires a change in consciousness, requires a change in focus and mindset and ways of being. So for me, what this means is that my positive world vision for the planet is an arising up or a raising up of consciousness, of our capacity to be love. And that starts with me. I'm learning to love myself right now, I'm on a whole new path of self-love because if I don't love myself, I can't truly love another. And I know that now more than I ever have. So for all of the listeners out there, check in with your own capacity for self-love. And if you're like me, you may have a loud critic that has been in, it's been in my mind my entire life you know, I'm not good enough, not lovable enough, not capable enough, not competent enough. I'm a disappointment. Those are default conversations in my head that have been there for a long time. And so those are not self-love and those are not conversations for in, inside me that are helpful. They're not helpful for trans, transformation. So self-love is where I'm starting. Love on the planet that we move from and come from, love for each other. And, and then from that frequency, from that vibration, that in a sense, that transcendence into a field of love. And this is the most powerful force in the universe. This is not some sampy romantic, you know, I love you, man, type of a thing. This is like God itself is love. And when we're aligned with that frequency, all manner of beautiful possibilities begin to unfold in our own imagination, but also in the world and in the groups and partnerships that we're a part of. So for me, it's about love and it's about shifting into that space where co-creative capacities come alive that we can't even imagine right now. You know, it's hard to even imagine what's possible when we're really grounded in coming from love. And that is not, like I said, a sappy, um, weak, you know, love can be a four letter word in the warrior creed, but to me, it's the root power from which a warrior truly operates. Peaceful warrior, you could say, as Dan Millman has said. And so this is a, a warrior love. This is a warrior that has more power than anything else in the world. And I'll die on that hill. You know, that, that is fine for me. If I die as a warrior for love, I am satisfied. Wow, that's so beautiful. That's so beautiful. So what are you doing right now to contribute to this vision? That's another great question. So uh, pioneers of the great awakening. You know, my path really is as a minister. I'm not a minister, but I have a vision of being one in the not too distant future. I just never had a model for the minister that I wanted to be in the world. And a minister is really one who serves the people. That's really what it means, ministerial services. 
you know, you're serving the people. Um, I am a man of God, a human of God, you know, and I've just been on my journey of just becoming more and more of that channel for divine love and wisdom that I can become. And of course, for the most part, that's been a transformation of my own life and self, clearing out, uh, you know, the blocks and barriers and belief systems that keep God and all the love that God is from flowing through me wholly and completely. So I'm transforming myself, first and foremost, cleaning up my own house and getting clear as a channel for the truth to pour through me so others can access that. And that's a lot, a lot of work. It's hard work and um, is the most important work. And I've been on that path for more than 20 years. You can go all the way back, you know, but really committed to it probably started in 1995. So that's number one. Number two you know, giving voice to the God-based intelligence that wants to come through. So writing books is a contribution that I have a gift for writing. I don't consider myself a master author of any kind, but I have an ability to assemble ideas and sentences and books in a way that um, people have, have embraced. And so I wrote Next Gen Human, A Modern Age Path to Fulfillment. And then ran workshops around that, you know, cultivating conversations for evolution. Because I know that this is what we're doing here. We're evolving. So I want to accelerate and be a catalyst for our positive and conscious evolution. So writing books, leading workshops. This started back in 2009. You know, that was one of the things that was born out of my breakdown was my breakthrough to doing more work on the path of the next gen human the next generation of humanity that's trying to birth itself through great pains right now onto the planet. We're all midwives to this awakening or birthing of the next generation of humanity that wants to come forward. So that is one. And then my second book just recently released called Truth Bubble, Navigating Realms of Reality in Our Societal Shift from Fear to Love. That's what I believe we're really working on right now is shifting from fear, from, a, from an individual and group and collective based existence in fear, an existence based in fear to one based in love. We are clearly seeing that the ego, and I don't even like to call them the powers that be, but you can just call them the media, the narrative, um, the news, wants us in fear. Everywhere you look is fear and even friends and family, you know, are bought into this and, you know, there'll be fear-based narratives coming forward. In fact, I started a fear journal. Cautiously, I started that because I don't want to give any energy to those, but I am keeping track of the fears that are being perpetuated to me and in my world, even by well-meaning, quote unquote, conscious leaders, they'll sell me things based on fear. You know, like um, the food supply is going to run dry. And so I'm here to sell you a thousand dollar workshop on how to do your own farming, you know, but it's like, wow, you know, the whole food supply is going to be gone. Is that something I want to create in my world? Well, it's coming, you know, that'll be their affirmation. <laughs> so there's so much fear and I've got a list of dozens of fears, more than I've ever had in my life on my list. And I'll say this transformation from fear to love is what's up for me in my life. And it's up for humanity. We have to start choosing from where we want to come. And is it fear? Are we going to continue reacting and protecting ourselves from these 
fear-based scenarios that are going to come and get us? Or are we going to start coming from love and trust and truth and, you know, a God that has our back at all times and wants only abundance for us? Where are we coming from? Who's, who's our God? And how are we going to align with that? This is a path that we're all on. And so I'm fueling that conversation. I'm fueling the work that we all must do to shift from fear to love. And it's a big shift. It's a lot of work. It's hard work. Most people don't want to do it. And um, I'm here to be a catalyst for that. Beautiful. That's exactly what it's all about. So what do you think we can do to inspire unity among the different groups of the truth movement? Oh, yeah. Wow. That's a really great question. You know, when I was recently at a um, Crimes Against Humanity all day workshop to kind of get the latest intelligence from experts that are looking deeply at the things that have been happening over the past two and a half years. And, you know, I don't have the time to do the level of research that they're doing, um, you know, into the various aspects of this agenda that is rolling out into the world. Um, but one of the things they said is that to gain greater alignment amongst those of us that can see a greater world, that can see you know, um, the possibilities for freedom and truth and sovereignty and love and collaboration, that we can see this. Uh, what's important is for us to, it sounds simple, but align more carefully on the truth. And that can be really, really hard. So, you know, some of the, it, this is why I wrote the book, Truth Bubble is because I saw that there were more and more truth bubbles being spun out. And, you know, the, the truth bubbles are often in competition with one another. So um, like, here's a truth that may be said, and then here's the exact opposite that's being said, that's also being posited as a truth. What's true? It can be really difficult to discern that. And so what I, the move I'm making with my book, Truth Bubble, is that all truth bubbles can be true. They can all be true. And that once one wakes up to the possibility that there is no one truth, that there can be an infinite number of truths, one begins to realize that they are the creator of their reality, they are the chooser of their truths, and so is everybody else. So in this model of reality, one must then be careful the truths they subscribe to. When there no longer is a truth out there to be validated, measured, proven, and argued for, where do you go? Well, you go to the chosen truth rather than the argued or proven truth. So what's the truth you want to affirm? And for me, it's love. For me, it's this deep down knowing felt sense of the goodness of humanity, that it's this God, universal intelligence, 
field of love is here for me and for everyone and that we can choose that. And the more we choose it as a collective, the more we experience it. That's a truth I want to affirm. Can I prove it? Not with science necessarily, right? This is a truth that I'm going to be and I am creating in my own reality. And as we align with other truth seekers based in love, we'll, we'll come together as co-creators of a love-based reality. And we find more and more of us creating a love-based reality. So um, I think that's the key, you know, is that we connect with love and we listen deeply to one another. And we recognize that wherever someone is coming from is true for them at least. And it doesn't have to be true for me. It doesn't have to be the truth in the world. And once we've got that kind of freedom, then I think we can be more free to love each other, regardless of the truth that we're per per proposing or purporting. And I've experienced a little bit of that because uh, you get like, you awaken, you realize, you start seeing all the lies surfacing to the, you know, and you go like, wow, this is, there's insanity going on. And then a, a part of kind of the movement is also like, very, very polarizing, you know? So it's like, okay, now you, because you're awakening, there are the, you know, a sleeping sh sheep, you know, and now you are the lion or whatever. And so uh, <clears throat> I, I do believe that what's important here is to never forget that we're all brothers and sisters, because this is how people get to be compartmentalizing little, you know, uh, you know, trains going to the end station, right? And so I have, uh, I have met people that are completely believing in the, in the mainstream media lies because they're incredibly good people. They're really sweet and really, really, really naive because they can't possibly see the, the real agenda behind it. But at the same time, as people, they are incredibly good people with big, open, loving heart that they will take a bullet for you. And when I started really having those experiences that really changed me, like, you know, there's gotta be a way for us to, 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 to uh, and it is love. I mean, you, you said it, it, it is love. It's, it's, that is the way, love is the way, because we don't know exactly how it operates because it's always changing, love is this, magical force that has no shape or form so what is your favorite quote <laughs> my favorite quote i think is the one i mentioned by buckminster fuller you know i say that really often right now because you know focusing on a new paradigm that makes the current one obsolete is really so important right now but another quote that i often say and i really love is by mark twain who said I've suffered a great many tragedies in my life, most of which never happened. And I just think that's hilarious because it's so true for me. And I know it's so true for so many people. Um, you know, I have conversations with people that have been on this planet twice as long as me. You know, they're in their 90s and such. And if they're awake, they can reflect back on all of the fear-based agendas and narratives that have been run on them over their lifetime and how many of those things never came true. And yet we forget 
it's like it gets run on you and then you react in the way that these perpetrators of these fear-based narratives want you to react. And then you do what they want you to do, which is basically pay more taxes, give your money to them, give your power to them. And then they're on to the next thing. And, you know, 10 years later, you forgot the thing they were telling you that you were supposed to be afraid of isn't happening. It never happened. In fact, those people may not even be on the scene anymore. And I'll just give a few examples of that. Like my father, who's a nuclear chemist, retired now. You know, he was a contributor in the Cold War on our side, of course, you know, trying to keep the peace. And at that time in the 70s, that all of the science was pointing towards a global freezing, that we were going to have a great ice age that was coming. It was imminent. It was proven science that the ice age was imminent and there was be a great freeze. And that was, that was it. I mean, if you knew the science, you knew that was true. Huh? It never came. Why not? I think that's a very interesting question. And now it's the opposite. So, you know, it's global warming, right? That's the new fear. And that's the new taboo. You can't speak out against it because it's science and it's proven and all of this. And I'm not here to say that there aren't problems on the planet when it comes to climate, you know, and the way weather patterns change and emerge on the planet. I'm sure it's been that way on this planet since it was created. You know, and the fact that we have human beings here that do terrible things to the environment is inappropriate. We need to be a lot more sustainable and caring and loving and connected to our planet. But I'm also not here to buy into a, a narrative that manipulates me into a fear-based agenda that extracts my power and extracts money from me and gives more and more control to a centralized state. That is manipulation in my, from my perspective. And there are so many other examples of things that were perpetrated onto the people that centralized more and more control and money and left us less and less empowered and with less money. So I'm here to say one of my favorite quotes is, I've suffered a great many tragedies, most of which never happened. And I want to wake up to the fact that they don't happen and come from a place of love because it's the ego that's being hooked and is running the show when you're based in fear. And it's God, universal intelligence, your heart and your soul that are in the driver's seat when you're coming from abundance and you're coming from trust and you're coming from a beautiful future that really works out for everybody. We've got to shift from the fear-based ego to the love-based universal intelligence of God. And we will see that we have access to these futures that we all really want. Amen, brother. That's a good one. That's exactly what we need. I'm so, I'm so happy you came to join us. And uh, how can people contact you? Uh, what do you have going on? Um, is there anything you want to tell people about, you know, specific, you know, action steps or something that you're, you're working on right now? Sure. I appreciate the opportunity. I have a website out there. That's a great place to go. Um, I would type in www.truthbubble.com. It's just one word, truthbubble, B-U-B-B-L-E.com. And that'll take you to my 
page where you can buy the book, Truth Bubble. And I would encourage people to get the book. You can get it on audio. A lot of great feedback. It's read by me. So I have a lot of passion for the various things that are presented in the book. Um, it's on um, Audible, the Amazon platform, and you can get a paperback book there as well, $14.95. And um, I would love it if people would embrace the work there and, and read, read the book. Um, I need to do a little work with my website right now, but there is a contact list you can subscribe to, and I'll give you a free download of a guided meditation called the Love Expander. The Love Expander is a 15-minute guided meditation that really cultivates self-love, lo love of the relationships that you're currently in, love of your life, love of life itself, and just leaves you in a place that's vibrating of that highest frequency of love. I call it the Love Expander and Ascension Accelerator, because this is how we ascend on the planet is through love. So I give that out for free. Um, I'm going to need to do a little work on my website to get that free download operational, but go to truthbubble.com. And then you can link there to my book and audio book on, on amazon.com. I would really appreciate that. Roger, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. It's what you're saying is, is exactly what it is. It's, there is no other way, but love. Love is the way, the answer to every question, to every problem. And, and, and this is our journey, you know, uh, stop believing in the freaking climate change bullshit and the, uh, you know, the, the next monkeypox bullshit, you know, and, and the, you know, you're going to take the 20 million booster bullshit, you know, and, and turn our eyes to God, to, to our, and what I mean by God is family, is friendship, is love, is communities, it's opening up, it's laughing, it's going out, this is not being afraid, because that is how people are controlled, they're afraid, and, and then they don't live their lives. Thank you, thank you so much, Roger. And uh, we'll hope to have you uh, for another session sometime in the future. That would be amazing. Thank you so much, brother. You have It's been my day. pleasure. It's been my pleasure and thank you for having me and thank you for being a pioneer of the Great Awakening. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>